This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. First Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Look at the fight. You're laying hold on eternal life. You're doing it for what? Dear life. Whereunto thou art also called. We're called to a fight. We're not called for, for, for a, a bowl of cherries. We're not called for an amusement park faith. We're not called for a picnic along the side of the road. We're called into a fight. Born and shaped in iniquity, we come in kicking and screaming, keep me in this, you know, but just change my diaper every now and again and feed me, that's all good. But keep me in this. Then the Holy Ghost comes with his light and power and says, no, that wasn't the way intended. Here's the way. And the rest of the scripture says, you are called right into it and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. God has to take us to that, born into the holy way now, born again. That which is flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We ought not be so ridiculously, you know, held in some kind of confusion. God made it plain. You got to be born again. We got to be born of God's Spirit. And then he will give us the testimony of heaven. We will profess a good profession, not a faulty one. But the Bible said, thou hast professed a what? Good profession and before many witnesses, because broad and wide is the way that leads to what? Destruction. We were found there. There's going to be a whole lot of people around us. When we change and go to alternate route, my God, we're going against the tide, going against traffic. There's going to be many witnesses. Child, what's wrong with you? What are you? Are you too holy? Holy Joe, they used to call us back in the day. Holy Roller, whatever, whatever. Whatever names they're calling us now. Crazy Christians in the media. They only have the Christian so-called folk going the opposite direction, looking tattered and torn and saying crazy stuff. The end is here, and everybody's having their fun, and the Christian looks all beat down and silly and confused. But that's not how it is in the Word. That's not how it is in the Spirit of God. You could walk your own way, but the end result will be destruction, because it's going to seem like the right way. But the Bible has come with an alternate A word now against the tide of this fallen world that true faith is worth fighting for. There seems to be so many alternative definitions of what faith is. However, no matter what we finite mortals might think, the eternal Lord of all creation, the Savior, Jesus Christ, will have the last say in these matters. And as his word reveals, everyone will eventually realize either in joy or, unfortunately, turmoil, that there is no one higher than he is. Unfortunately, some will be deceived into thinking that he is not the only way, not the highest of all. Such is the case when one sides with Satan, who is the enemy of God. It is just like the enemy to make one comfortable in the false wisdom of personal mastery. When God blesses you with a true relationship that draws you into his eternal peace, you should never allow Satan to talk you out of it. Why, saints? Because true faith is what? Worth fighting for. Amen. 
Every believer of God knows what it means to struggle with faith. Yes, God gives us faith, but we are of the seed of Abraham, and through him came Israel. And here's how our Hebrew friends spell it, Isra, apostrophe, El. Notice Isra is separated from El slightly. Together, but a little separate. Why? Because God is holy. He wants us to be holy. But we are Isra. We're always fighting against God. Always in some kind of little tug of war, hide and go seek battle with God. And yes, we, amen, are born and shaped in iniquity, but God comes to save us out of that, and we kick and scream on the way into eternity, even. My God. But every believer has to come to grips with trusting in God completely, not haphazardly, not in some little parts of our life, but not in the other parts. God wants the whole person. When he has the whole person, then you can become holy. You got to ask yourself these few questions here. Am I trusting God enough? Would that person have been healed if I had only trusted God more? These are the ways that we struggle with our faith, y'all. Sometimes we ask this, did I fail to get that promotion at work because I lacked faith? You got to have faith. If I am really trusting God, why am I still having these unforgiving thoughts? We struggle with our faith, saints. We ask ourselves, these things. If my faith is strong, why are my children having so many problems? We ask ourselves these things. If I moved with faith, wouldn't the people to whom I witness always accept Christ as their Savior? The devil brings what? Doubt into our minds. Doubt, which comes from our mind and seeps down into our hearts and into our character, and we second-guess ourselves. And now we need feelings for God to show himself strong. I don't feel saved. But the Bible didn't say the covenant was based on our soulish realm feelings. Faith is not a topsy-turvy, up-and-down roller coaster ride based on our emotions. We are to take our affections and place them at the right hand of God where Christ sits. Amen. Place your affections on things above that way. Amen. Because where your heart is, that's where your home is. Christ does not sit on a throne in our soul. He's trying to what? Save our soul. Amen. We worship God with the regenerated spirit. We can't communicate with God unless we have that. You must be born again. Perhaps the Apostle Paul was referring to this very conflict when he used the phrase, quote, the good fight of faith, my God. For him, faith's struggle was not merely in matters of ministry, though the pioneering of churches throughout Asia must have involved many conflicts in faith. You could have a handful of folk and a whole bowl full of hellish problems, my God. Hallelujah, anyhow. But Paul said it's nonetheless a good fight, my God. He was referring more to the whole of his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, not with what he was going through with people. 
Uh, people are going to be fickle. People are going to be faulty. You can't trust folk. You got to trust God. They had it right on the money. I hope they never take it off. In God, we trust. Some don't, but a lot do. Still, I am one of them. I hope you are. You know, uh, Paul was writing at the end of his life and from a jail cell, y'all, aware that he could be summoned at any moment for his execution. But Paul admitted that faith has been a fight, albeit a good one. It may be a gigantic step for us even to come to the place of accepting that there is such a thing as a what? Good fight, my God. This present culture doesn't believe in fighting for too many things. There's some things they will fight for and storm the Capitol and do other things, you know. But if there was something worth fighting for, faith is it. Amen. Why is faith worth fighting for? Why is the fight for faith a good one? I'll give you five good reasons based on Scripture. Anything done without faith cannot please God. Hebrews 11:6 said so. My God. Here's another one. Grace can be accessed only by faith. Ephesians 2:8 said so. Every person has the capacity for faith. Romans 12:3 said so. Faith is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We forgot. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 said so. Nothing is impossible when you have faith, even though it may be as small as a mustard seed. Matthew 17, 14 through 21 said so. You know, the fight of faith is, yes, a good fight. The Bible is clear in its teaching concerning the power of faith. However, many believers are confused concerning matters of faith. This confusion exists in part because of the variety of high-profile faith ministries. Some minister effectively, while others appear to use faith in such a way that makes man the master of his own destiny, rather than God the sovereign Lord. But even if there were no provocative teachers and teachings, there would still be a struggle in the arena of faith. Why is that? Because at the risk of oversimplification, faith has an enemy. Actually, your faith has two main enemies. And guess what? Unfortunately, one of them is you. The other one is Satan. Satan has many devices he employs in his attack on our lives. But it may surprise you to discover that the focus of his attack is directed almost exclusively towards your faith. He well knows if he can make your faith ineffective, you will be what? Ineffective. It'd be like the church at Sardis, saying they're strong and alive when they are dead because they didn't use holy faith. Amen. He wants to overthrow your faith. That's what the devil wants to do. According to 2 Timothy 2, 18, 
Not all of your struggle with faith will be caused by Satan, though. Some of it will be caused by your own natural man, as the scripture calls it, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 2.14. Faith involves hearing, making choices, repenting, and learning. All of these are challenging without the devil's interference. Since the devil knows just how difficult this, quote, good fight of faith, in quote, can be, he seeks to influence you by his lies. He's a father of lies, the author of confusion. You know, we can be deceived, and because Satan is cunning, our intake of God's word becomes crucial in cultivating, growing, and evaluating our faith even. It is through his word that faith is made alive, according to Romans 10, 17. And it is with his word that we fight against the enemy, according to Ephesians 6, 17. Faith seekers tend to consider these four things. Can I ask God for anything as long as I have the right faith, get what I ask for? If I believe, can I have assurance that my children will be saved? Does faith guarantee that I will never have to deal with sickness or pain? Is there ever a time when my lack of faith might make God angry? If I make him mad, am I still saved? You know, coming to the, quote, full assurance of faith, as the scripture calls it, is worth fighting the good fight of faith. Uh, let's find faith's way according to God's word. Faith that pleases God. I'm going to call it pleasing faith. Faith that pleases God does these three main things according to uh, Hebrews 11:6. Pleasing faith comes actively before God. God makes us strategic. And it says here, quote, those who diligently, what? Seek him. To be diligent, as it is used here in the scripture, means to investigate. We investigate things. It means to crave. How many of us crave after things? It means to demand. How many of us demand things? We could do all that with the clicker with the remote. Investigate. Hmm, what's on? Crave. Yeah, I want to see that. Ooh. And demand. Purchase on demand. <laughs> I, got, I demand the TV to show me that, you know. <laughs> we got faith in our hand, you know. It is an insistent pursuit according to Scripture. Nothing in this vivid word picture is intended to portray someone nagging God. However, Jesus himself taught two parables honoring this same diligent, aggressive, seeking attitude in your prayer life. According to Luke 11, 5 through 10 in the NIV, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. 
And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus said, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, though, yet because of uh, your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. See, say I unto you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. The words of Jesus. You know, the Lord doesn't want you or I to think uh, he's asleep or uncaring about our predicament that we are in. However, he does want us all to come before him unashamedly insistent. He has an open door policy. We could just walk right on in. Amen. Don't need an appointment. He doesn't have a secretary sitting there. Uh, 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 I don't see you on the list. You know, God lets you come right on in anytime, morning, noon, night. In the King James Version, uh, verse 8 uses the word importunity. Or as noted in the NIV, shameless audacity, which comes from two Greek words meaning without bashfulness. I could hear God in the Spirit saying, don't be bashful, come on, tell me. Tell Daddy, tell Abba, you know, tell me. And here's another parable, the parable of the persistent widow. Luke 18, 1 through 8, NIV says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not, it says in the King James, faint, right? In other words, pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he kept refusing her. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. He was done. <laughs> and the Lord said, quote, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's what he's coming back for, y'all. Church without spot or blemish. That means that a church that is working. Amen. Work while it is night. Oh, day. You know, Jesus is, he ain't coming back. He's just giving us a farce, right? Didn't the Bible say he's coming back? Yes. And Revelation, it says it emphatically more than once. And he ends the book that way. I come quickly. Amen. 
Not on our time. Quickly doesn't mean uh, around the corner. Amen. A few seconds. No. For a thousand days is like a, a, a day to him. You know, we're encased in time. We don't get the point of eternity very much. We can read about it kind of think about it, try to wrap our puny brain around it, which, but we can't. God's too wide. We can't get around him, you know? We think we could think so deep. No, he's so low, you can't go under him. Uh-uh. I got a high mind. I could think high thoughts. No, he's so high, you can't go above him. Jesus said, you must come in at the door. And guess who the door is? Jesus. My God. Now, faith that pleases God. Remember, first we had pleasing faith comes actively before God. We saw the two parables and what they taught us. Now let's look at the next thing. Pleasing faith believes God exists. Believes. It's not just some kind of statement you make in Sunday school. Oh yeah, I I believe God. Yeah. I believe in Santa Claus. I believe this chair gonna hold me up. It's not these little weak kind of faiths that we have. Believe is an all-inclusive word. You got to think Hebraically. It's trusting in, depending on, leaning on, being taught by, you know, every every waking breath. You're depending on him. You're, you're, You're thirsting after him. I pant. I thirst after you. You know, everything about my life is you. I devote my whole self to you. Everything in my waking moment from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same is all about you. That's what believe is. We must believe that he is. He's a being. He's a person. And he's got a relationship with you. See, believe that he is. We overlook look things in the scripture. We zip right by it. Believes that he is. See, the prayers of some people sound as though they are talking only to themselves. You know, some kind of soliloquy, monologue. But prayer is supposed to be a dialogue. Be quiet. Let God get a word in edgewise before you say amen. Have you ever prayed without even thinking of standing in the presence of God? A lot of times we do that and we don't even believe he's right there. God wants your faith to focus on the reality of his being. Contrary to modern worldviews, God is there and he insists that you think so in order to please him. Amen. For most of us, though, this is theoretically not an issue. Uh, As a true Christian, you profess faith in God through Christ. In that sense, you believe he exists. Do I got some believers out there? Hallelujah. The problem comes when we're under pressure sometimes, though. How do you respond in the pressure cooker of life? Do you yet believe that he exists when you are in troubling circumstances? You got to have faith. That's when your faith pleases God. See, when his gift of holy faith in you is reciprocated by you yet trusting in him. Even in the midst of challenging situations. If God said it, it will be. It's not if you said it as some kind of fictional kind of story you concocted in your flesh. And now all of a sudden you egomaniacally believe God said it. That's not what he's talking about. We must have pleasing faith that believes God exists. 
trusting in him wholeheartedly because you heard him and it came uh, as a witness from his word. You got to judge every spirit, what? By the word of God. Do it right. Pleasing faith believes God exists. He is the last one. Pleasing faith believes God is a rewarder. Scripture said, and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently seek him. In some cultures, this word might simply mean a good employer. It has the sense of wages, money given for hire even. If it were only to mean that, though, then God is pleased when you believe he's a good boss. He's more than that. But it's much more than believing God gives good wages, my people. Rewarder has the meaning of beyond recompense, of reimbursing beyond the value of what was received. See, uh, uh, God is Jehovah Yireh, the God of more than enough. He is a provider. He will see to it. It's despite you. It's not about you. It's about his glory. He said, I'm going to bless your raggedy toward self. Even though you said no to me 50,000 times, I'm yet going to stand here and wait for you to say yes. If it was me, I would have been gave up. I don't got no time to waste for you, and I got scriptures to prove it. I will not give my pearl to swine. I will avoid vain babblings. I got a lot of scriptures for it. <laughs> but, but God didn't want us to be him. He gives us attributes to put up well, with stuff in the capacity that he blesses us to put up with it. Amen. He expects us to do way more than we could fathom a thing. He wants us to stand right there until he says, now, nah, don't do it anymore. There was a time in the Old Testament when the priests weren't doing what the priests were supposed to do. Then God took them out, snuffed them right out. He said, none of y'all better cry either. My God. Comes a time when God says, no, that's enough. Stop. Grace has a time limit, y'all. It runs out. Amen. It's not going to be a, a time for grace in heaven. We don't need it then. We don't even need faith in heaven. My God, we don't need hope in heaven. What's going to remain? The greatest of these is love is going to remain. Thank God. So we got to look at God as a rewarder despite our evil ways. He yet gives. Bosses, though, they'll fire your tail. They will dock your pay. Yes, they will. They will write you up. You know, sometimes not based on truth, based on hearsay. They're little sycophants all around. Ubiquitous, clandestine brown nosers. They're everywhere. And they're going to tell on you, mm, it has come to my attention that, mm, wow. And then they're going to just evaluate you harshly based on that. But God is a righteous judge. He sees even in the dark, y'all. What we call dark is like bright as day to him. We think we're sneaking around in the dark. Nobody see us. God is like poof, big old light in heaven. He said, I'm looking right at you. I don't know what you... And he's going to show that video in glory. Oh, you don't think I saw you, poof, Peter, bring it up. Poof, Oh, snap, I was thought nobody, oh, what had happened? No, I'm everywhere. I'm omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent. And uh, I'm going to bind you up, cast you out in the outer, outer darkness, and there will be what? Weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. Why? Because we're not any of his. We got to be in covenant with him. He has to be our rewarder, and we have to, amen, open-heartedly. God gives us an open-heart surgery. When we let him in, he does the work that needs to be done, and we rise in wholeness and in the power of faith that's alive through the Holy Ghost. That's what he is. God wants to reward us that way. That's the reward of them that diligently seek him. It's life abundantly. It's a new life. It's an experience of being born again and moved by the Holy Ghost. It's not about things and people and stuff in them. No. Believing in God, see, makes us really know what the Bible meant by rewarder. It's beyond recompense of reimbursing beyond the value of what was received. Isn't that exactly what Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 is saying? Approaching it from the negative point of inquiry, we might ask, how can I please God when I believe he rewards less than I am asking? The Bible answer is this. God can't be pleased when we believe he only but slightly answers prayer with just enough to get us through our circumstance. God is bigger than our what? Little circumstance is big to us, but it's not all that big to God. It's nothing. Nothing's impossible for him. Amen. If he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Hey, we can look all around. I don't care. I can walk on water. God said so. He beckoned me to come. I'm going to do it. But you know us, we're born and shaped in iniquity and it's in that our mothers conceive us. And we don't trust God the way we might think we trust him. When it's time to walk on that water, we're going down. We're going down today, boy. We think we all that I can walk on. I don't know what Peter's problem is. You got to walk. You got to have faith. Yeah, let me see you get out there. And the, and the waves crashing like a tsunami all around you. Let me see you walk out there. Stop. We could sit in our cozy little church with the heat on and a nice carpet. And everybody got their little hats tilted. Yes, Peter, he didn't have faith, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, ain't it though? Ain't it though? Stop. We need to really see how the Holy Ghost would bring it to us. Let him be the revealer of the truth. So when we meet Peter in heaven, we didn't, you know, talk behind his back. Thank God anyway. (laughs) Thank God. You know, pleasing faith believes that God rewards beyond normal recompense when he is what? Diligently sought. God is going to bring a deluge of blessing. My blessings will overtake me. My God, that's the kind of God I serve. He blesses beyond our capacity to even receive it. Ah, yes, and uh, he will bless people all around us. And men shall give unto you, pressed down, shaken together. And what's going to happen? It's going to run over. Hallelujah, kind of blessing God gives. And that's the pleasing faith examples. We cannot please, in other words, have a right relationship with God if that relationship is not based on true faith, the biblical faith. True faith is made of God's holy word. That holy word must make its acquaintance with the relational participant's mind transforming it into a new godly mind with attributes of God's Holy Spirit. This character is God's loving gift to all willing souls that give ear 
to his words of salvation. The day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. As they did in the provocation in the wilderness, they turned their back on God time and time again. God said, meet me face to face. No, but they showed God they behind and went after idols. And Aaron lying, I don't know what happened. I took the thing and put it in there. Out came this here cab. I don't know what happened. What? Stop. We strategically go after the stuff we want. We don't just go oops and fall on a hole in bed. Oops. And your stuff is all out there. In a, no, stop. There was a strategic plan. Stop. You ain't just, uh, that watch in the store, it just happened to come in your pocket. Oops, I don't know what happened. It fell in there. I was walking out. Stop. There was a plan. You had a plan. The devil gave you an evil vision. Without a vision, the devil know the people will start going to heaven. He give them an evil vision so he could keep them from doing holy things. So the devil is opposite of God. But God give you a vision so you won't faint and fall and falter. My God, and you will make it on in. Only the righteous, clean hands, pure heart can make their way to God. You got to get rid of stuff. My God, you got to get spiritually naked on your way into the holy of holies. God said, drop it down. Drop it down. Take it off. Leave it off. Empty yourself. Completely naked and transparent in the spirit before God. Then he could use you. Stop trying to hold on to things. That is not pure faith. We're walking in the flesh, not in faith. We're walking in doubt, not in complete trust in God. See, we need the character of God. My God, we're, we're coming in a land and we're here already. It's a long landing nonetheless, but it's a good landing, a good fight. See, God's character is a loving character, and he lovingly gives to willing souls. He has to shake up the hard, prideful hearts, but grace is given to the who? The humble. Grace is given to them. We think grace is for everybody. Yeah, God extends it to everybody, but only the humble are going to receive it. The way up is the way down. You better get down on your knees and pray. You better, amen, seek God in prayer. Pray, hallelujah, if you call by his name. Pray, humble yourself. Pray and seek his face, not his hand. What's in your hand, God? What you got for me? Seek his face. That's a relationship thing. That's a covenantal relationship, trusting in him thing. That's what faith is about, not grabbing stuff out of his hand and running like these modern-day kids do. I need a pencil, Mr. Jackson. I need a pencil. I said, didn't your mama just give you a whole bucket of supplies just last week? What in the world? Did you eat them? What happened to the pencils? Nonetheless, here's a pencil. Then they grab it and go to their desk. I was like, wow, wow. No thank you, no, oh, thanks, Mr. Jackson. Only one or two do that. One or two say thanks. That's how we do the Lord. We go grabbing, heal me, Lord. All right, thank you. I don't care if I go to hell. At least I'm healed for right now. Hey, hey. Give me the house, Lord. Hey, glory. We get a house, a car, all the stuff, boat and everything, and still go, I don't care if I go to hell. That's later. I could get saved maybe later. I'm going to get on my boat and show all of them. I can stomp with the big dogs. We want stuff out of God's hand. We don't want a heart-to-heart, face-to-face relationship with God. That's what faith is made of. That's the gift 
God has given us. We don't deserve to stand before him with our wicked, stinky selves. God said sin is a reproach and a stench in his nostrils. When we're in sin, we stink, but we don't think so. We got perfumes and all the bubble baths and all of the stuff. Calgon, take me away. We got everything set up so we can smell good, look good, do all the stuff we do to ourselves. But that's the body. And we could go, hmm, hummada, 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 and do all this humming and humming and, and, and try to fix our souls and get our soul in peace with the universe. My God, we do all that stuff. But that's just body and soul. What about your spirit? Only God can revive and regenerate, transform your spirit. They don't have a program for that. But they could call and conjure up all kind of spirits because Buddha said so. But Buddha going to find his big behind right in hell because he didn't bow his butt to God. But we all bowing down to the Buddha. But Buddha don't have nothing for me. Confucius has nothing for me. All these people are dead. I don't care. All of these Eastern cult religions, them folks died and they're still in their graves. My God, but they checked the grave of Jesus and it's chronicled throughout all annals throughout the world. They didn't find the body. He must have risen. He did. He rose again and he was seen by hundreds of witnesses and they chronicled it in their annals. My God, that he's alive. Faith is alive. It comes from a living Savior, and he gifts us with that faith. It's a trusting relationship to depend on him so he can help us make it in. We can't get to heaven by ourselves and our own counsels and our own strength, our own things that we own. No, we came into this world naked and naked shall we return. I never saw a U-Haul truck following a hearse. No, we got to go to God. Humbly submit, therefore, to God, and he will pardon abundantly. Thank God. God wants to come into your heart and make it new. Make it free from the prison of the enemy's deceit. God wants you to be truly free, to walk in the power of true faith. Why? Because faith, holy faith, is worth fighting for. Somebody stand and help me praise God about true faith and its worth of being fought for. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. Bless the name of the Lord. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.